Well-known consultant, educator, author Peter Drucker shared this. The ability to make good decisions regarding people represents one of the last reliable resources of competitive advantage, since very few organizations are good at it. So today, that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you make good decisions regarding people, and how do you use that as a competitive advantage? Today, I'm going to show you how you can put some science into your hiring decisions. I'm specifically going to go spend the bulk of the podcast talking about how to debrief a Trimetrics talent report in three steps. And I also want to share with you a little bit of information about a conference that I just attended with 400 consultants around the world. It was in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. There's some new things coming out for 2018, and I want to share some of that with you. So let's get started. Hit it, Michael. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there, my name is Susie Price. I am with Priceless Professional Development. We just completed our 14th year. This is now going into our 15th year. And I am a professional facilitator, consultant, and author. And I started Priceless all those years ago. And the focus for Priceless Professional Development, we help senior leaders build an energetic, committed, drama-free workforce. And that's what you want, right? That's what we're looking for. We want people who are committed to our team, committed to our organization, committed to the mission. We want is less drama and more trust, more working together, less pushing against each other, figuring out how do we be honest and direct and straightforward in our communications so that we can get more work done. We can enjoy our work. We can meet our mission. And that's what our focus is here at Priceless Professional Development. And a lot of the ability to have an energetic, committed, drama-free workforce comes from having the right people in the right seats. And so a lot of the work that we do is in hiring and selection. And I actually even wrote a book, How to Hire Superior Performers, that outlines the process that we use for hiring and selection. And we do put science into the hiring process. And last year here at Priceless, We had more than 3,000 assessments run through our assessment center, and those are just tools, but they're tools to help you guide your hiring decisions, to help with coaching conversations, help me as I'm coaching others, but also help you as you lead your team to better understand how to communicate more effectively with the person that you're working with and how they can communicate more effectively with you. So we use it with leadership development, and we use those tools for making teams stronger. And so 3,000 assessments, you know, we are proud to have such a good tool to share and that it gets a good amount of usage for being a boutique type of firm that we are. So today's topic is episode number 42 of the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast. And the official topic is going to be to talk about how to debrief a Trimetrics talent report in three steps. And I'll tell you, don't tune away if you don't know what the Trimetrics Talent Report is, because there'll be information here that you'll get from this, even if you never want to use an assessment. Actually, I wrote my book in that way as well, my How to Hire Superior Performance book, so that it outlined what we do when we use the tool. But it's really a process that helps you think more strategically and more in depth when you are hiring 
and think more about fit in the role. So what we'll talk about today, I think, will be interesting to you, even if you aren't one of those folks who completed those assessments through our assessment center this year, and and even if you don't want to use the assessments. Now, we do have show notes for today's episode, and they can be found at pricelessprofessional.com slash debrief, and the debrief is in lowercase. So I encourage you to stay tuned in if you want to learn a little bit more about how to add science to your hiring process. And if you are a client who uses Trimetrics already, I would encourage you to get a Trimetrics talent report out from a candidate and kind of reference it as we go through this debrief process in three steps to let you empower you to be able to look at the assessment and know what you want to do with it when you have a candidate to get the most use out of it. This podcast actually came about because I have a particular client who uses the Trimetrics assessment throughout their organization, and they do quite a bit of assessing of new hires because they're doing a lot of hiring. And I've trained the human resource managers on the tool but they needed something that was short and sweet, you know, not a two-day workshop, but here, how do I do it in three steps? And so I've distilled down the specifics of understanding the science and how to use it in this little tutorial. So that's why I'm sharing it with you. And the actual three steps will get you so that you can look at an assessment and very quickly figure out what you want to do and ask. A little bit of background On the assessment, sometimes people will ask because they don't know the big picture, you know, is this your assessment? So mine, Susie Price, it's a much bigger tool than just me. I have fully embraced it because of the science and history around it. It's been around for many, many years and is based on deep and rich science that we validate on an annual basis. And it basically, Trimetrics, what it does is it's going to give you information about how people communicate, what drives them, what puts gas in their tank, and then how do they think and process. And from there, what we do is we always use it to say, okay, this is the person, better understanding the person that you're interviewing. You know what they said in the interview, but how do they actually come across in in an assessment tool that's highly validated in regard to fit for the job. So what does the job need? I did another episode on the Trimetrics tool. It's episode number 18, and it was about demystifying and understanding Trimetrics. And it goes into the history of the tool, how to use it for hiring and coaching. So I want to mention that here. In case you're interested, you can go listen to that if you want more information about the tool. It's pricelessprofessional.com slash trimetrics, T-R-I-M-E-T-R-I-X, pricelessprofessional.com slash trimetrics. So I wanted to mention, because I was just at a conference in Scottsdale, Arizona with TTISI, which is one of my partners. So I am a value-added associate for TTISI, and thank goodness they have a headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we get to go there in January. How cool is that, right? How could you miss that? I like going. I've been going ever since I started working with the organization, which is essentially since I started my business. So the first conference that I went to was in 2005. And I have continued to stay pretty close to this partner. And I do consider them a partner. What I like about them, and and I tell you all this because it relates to the power of the assessment and the background behind what we do, they have three decades of research behind them. 
and they have millions of individuals who complete these assessments. I think assessment is completed. I don't remember the exact number, but every 10 seconds, there are numerous assessments completed from all over the world. This organization has patents. They do a lot of -of state-of-the-art technology with the brain and how we think. And they're in all kinds of publications, Harvard Business Review, Inc. Magazine, in colleges, peer review type articles. So every year when I go, it's my chance, you know, to fill my tank. I'm someone who in the assessment, what puts gas in my tank is I love to learn. And then I like to take that knowledge and use it for business. And so it's a really good fit for me when I go to the conference because I get to hear what they're doing, what's latest, what's new. And some of the things that are relevant to you is uh, we've got a couple of new things coming out. So we've got an onboarding tool for new hires. So if somebody has completed a talent report, we now can easily give a hiring manager an onboarding tool, which doesn't have any of the science, you know, in the graphs and the things like that, but has all the content that a manager could use to do some good onboarding and good discussions about how they work together. So I'm excited about that. It takes the science for the hiring and makes it available to continue to move forward and use that to onboard successfully. So the hiccups, you know, people often won't make it the first 90 days if they're not going to make it. So you want to do everything you can to understand them and lay out the expectations. And so I'm excited about these new onboarding tools. We've got some enhanced team reports. So if someone's taken the assessment and a team has taken them, we've now got more data and information that we can share to help the team better understand the team based on how you interact. You know, one of our focuses at Priceless, as I mentioned at the start, was that we want to help you create a drama-free workforce. A lot of the drama comes from not understanding each other and not seeing the strengths and not managing our own blind spots. So I'm excited about this enhanced team report because it'll be a tool that can really help you accomplish that and help us help you do that. We have a tool with emotional intelligence, and that is being enhanced and updated. I'm excited about that. Then I get to learn at the conference things from colleagues from around the world. So people share different exercises that they do and activities. So I have many new tools in my tool chest, which I'm excited about, plus many books to read because so many people that go there are writers and authors and have interesting insights. So I've got a long list there and I've tapped into a few partnerships and strategy sessions with others. So kind of a good boost for me personally. I also was asked to be on their visioning board. They have a global group. So I am one of the top 1% distributors in the organization. So I was listed as the top 10, which I didn't even know that was the case. So that was kind of nice to know and also nice to be there a day early ahead of the conference and you know, out of 2,000 consultants to be the 20 people who are helping the organization vision. And I certainly have a lot of opinions. So I love that somebody's asking my opinion. And so that's pretty cool. So lots of good things happening. I actually, there's a mentor, someone who I really value and more information will come out of that. And I'll actually be having a couple of podcast interviews from him and probably going to have him start doing a segment here on the podcast. I'm not going to mention his name yet, but I have been asked to help contribute on a book that he's doing, which I'm excited about. Another kind of nifty thing out of the conference is I got recognized as brand ambassador of the year. So that's pretty cool for the organization. So their description of that, I believe, is, you know, embodying the demeanor, appearance, values, and ethics of the brand, putting the brand in a positive light. So that feels really good. 
And so one of the things that I did want to mention to you at the conference, and then this will be the last point we'll get into how to debrief, is I did a breakout session for my colleagues on podcasting. I am a baby podcaster with just, you know, these 42 episodes now, but I have enjoyed it and I'm having good success that is supporting my business. And so they asked me to do a breakout session on podcasting. And so I'm going to share that material with you. I made a website page for the participants that shows you know, everything that I do in my podcast in regard to the tools that I use. I also talked about how to overcome the top three obstacles, top three mind traps, and all of that I'll put in the show notes for today's podcast in case anyone listening chances are good if you're listening to podcasts, you might be interested in podcasting. So I've got a little video of my talk and then, like I said, links and, you know, all the stuff that I'm using up to this point. So just FYI on that, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash podcasting 2018, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash podcasting 2018. So you can go there and learn about podcasting. It's kind of just a recap of my breakout. I'll mention it again. The show notes for today's episode is pricelessprofessional.com forward slash debrief. And I have a PDF there at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash debrief of the PowerPoint that goes with this audio. So if you want to see visuals of some of the things that I'm talking about, you don't need to see the visuals. I put the PowerPoint in a PDF, but you'll be able to see that at pricelessprofessional.com slash debrief. Now let's go forward. There's my little update of my fun, great work time with wonderful, awesome colleagues and proud of a little bit of the recognition since I've been doing this for quite a while. It's nice when you have your own business. Sometimes, you know, the best recognition you can get is clients who hire you again and again and again, and that's what you mostly want. But when you don't work for a big organization, it's kind of feels nice to at least throughout the year to feel like I'm a part of this organization, this TTISI, even though we're all independent, and then to get some recognition and then to all come together, you know, gives me the taste of a big corporation that I had, you know, all those years I worked at NCR, Oracle, State Farm, you know, the parts of that that I really love. So very, very, very good. And I appreciate you humoring me. Hopefully you might've moved forward on this part, but having the opportunity to share with you some of that fun. We'll see that a lot of that comes back to my clients in regard to the new stuff that we're rolling out. My goal in this episode is to help you confidently know how to debrief a Trimetrics talent report. Also in the show notes, I will have a copy of a Trimetrics Talent Report. For those of you who are not familiar with it or you want to pull one up, you can see what the Trimetrics Report looks like. This is for hiring. And then I have other videos for a coaching report, which is a longer report that helps people understand how to understand their own report. But what I want you to do is to be able to take the Trimetrics Talent Report and use it to reduce hiring risk so that you make the best hiring decision every time. And so the agenda for this is going to be to talk about what's measured in Trimetrics, and I'm going to remind you how you should apply the results, and then I'll go into the three steps for debriefing. And I use an acronym, go figure, big surprise, right? BCR, and I'll explain what that acronym is as we go forward. Now, the quote that I read when I started this episode was this, and I want to read it to you again because it's a good reminder of the power of knowing how to hire correctly. And it's 
Peter Drucker said it, and he said, The ability to make good decisions regarding people represents one of the last reliable sources of competitive advantage, since very few organizations are good at it. Hire right, and you've got a competitive advantage. And it's true. I see organizations, and I'm sure you've been in the middle of it too, we're not very good at this. We do it at the last minute. We cram it in between our schedules sometimes. We don't always have a process. And again, that's why I wrote that book, my book, How to Hire Superior Performers, because I just feel like that's the crux of why there's often drama in workplace, why energy and commitment lacks. And it's oftentimes we have the wrong people in the roles. And so it's so important to get this piece right and to not, obviously can't move too slow, but you also don't want to move so fast that you're not being very deliberate about who you're bringing in and making sure that they fit the culture, they fit the role, and it's costly to make mistakes. So it's a silent killer of profitability when you're making a lot of hiring mistakes because it's expensive. A bad hire can cost one and a half to eight times a person's salary. That's a big percentage. One and a half is plenty, you know, but then eight times a person's salary and that the higher it goes is, you know, the more impact or influence the position has, the bigger the impact to the cost of making the mistake. And the figures for that one and a half to eight times comes from the book Top Grading, which is a favorite reference book of mine around hiring. Dr. Bradford Smart wrote the book and he just goes into great detail about where do those numbers come from. And if you're interested in that, you can check out the book. And then I also have other podcasts that I'll put on the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com slash debrief that talk about some of the hiring statistics in more detail. We know that hiring is costly. And in addition to that, if you hire the wrong person, you can have an effective team that now gets brought down by the bad egg in the group. We've all seen it. What we want to focus on and keep top of mind is that fit matters. And the PowerPoint, you'll see I've got a a little child sitting at the wheel of a car, not able to see out the window. And I also have another picture of a guy who's too big for the car. So his head is sticking out the top of the vehicle. So you can have somebody who's not big enough for the role. Or somebody who's too big for the role. So they can do the role, but they kind of don't want to because they want to be doing something else. Either way, you end up with less than what you want. Poor performance and probably turnover. So fit matters. So finding fit and making sure that they match in five key areas are the areas that I most talk about and I use a car analogy is important so that you can have a productive employee who's willing to stay and give his or her all to the job. With the car analogy, what I want to talk about is what trimetrics measures. So trimetrics measures several sciences. Tri means trimodal. So there's three sciences. Sometimes there's more depending on what you choose. If you're hiring a salesperson, we can add some more science in there. But let's talk about the basics. Three sciences. The first science is the disc assessment. And then the car analogy, it's how this person tends to drive. Do they drive like a bulldozer? Or are they like a um, train? Very logical, point A to B. So it's what you see. And in the car analogy, it's how a person tends to drive. The next science that we measure is something that's not very visible, and it is the workplace motivator. So it's in the car analogy, what puts gas in my tank? So how do I drive? So how do I communicate and behave? What do other people see? How do I interact? What puts gas in my tank? Something I can't see but it's something I'm personally interested in and that I value. 
And we want to measure that because we want to say, okay, if this is what Susie is personally interested in, and she's in this job that I'm getting ready to hire her for, will she want to do the job? Will what she's interested in be rewarded by the job? Because here's what happens. Whatever we're motivated by, whatever we're most interested in, it actually drives our behavior. And it is why we take action. So motivators really matter. And that is our very important science. While with the DISC assessment, we see that and we sometimes apply a lot to that because it's very visible. You know what people's communication style is once you learn the DISC language. The drawback is just because they have the right style for the job, they communicated effectively in the interview. I mean, how often have we seen that? They seemed like they were a fit. And then once they came on board, they weren't a fit. What happened? Well, part of it, they weren't a fit because they didn't want to do the job or they couldn't do the job. Some of it has to do with Workplace motivators, what puts gas in their tank? They could do the job, but they're not motivated to do it. The third science that we measure is what's under the hood. And that is, think about in a vehicle, you can't see that. It's something you see six months down the road or over time. It's competency and personal skills. And so what we measure here, it's under the hood, it's not visible, but we figure out for the job what's most needed in the job. And then we look at the personal skills and see how this person scored and can they actually do the job that you need to do. And then last but not least, we tie all that together, those three sciences, how you drive DIS, what puts gas in your tank, motivators, and what's under the hood, personal skills, competency, and another word we use is acumen. And we put all that together and then we assess the level of fit or risk for them matching the job. Is there a fit? And there's always a level of risk when we're hiring. So you can have the perfect candidate and there still is some risk. You have not worked with them. They have not worked with you. They have not been in your organization. So our goal is to reduce the risk. And using science in your hiring process gives you some look into under the covers, under the hood, and helps you be more accurate, helps you bring science to the process. Other things that Trimetrics doesn't measure, and it's something you're looking for in the job, if we stick with the car analogy, you know, you're always looking at roads traveled and, you know, where their future destination. So what's their background? Where have they been? And where do they want to go? That needs to fit and match the job. And then also, where's the car going to be parked? What garage are they going to be in? Which is, of course, the culture and the team. Is this person going to be a fit on the team? Trimetrics gives you a couple of areas there that we can measure that keeps you from over-focusing on background because that is something that happens. Oh, their resume says they're from this school and they have this education and this amount of experience. They must be a good fit. And sometimes that works and a lot of times it doesn't because we don't know these other pieces. People bring who they are to the job. They bring their style. They bring what puts gas in their tank. They bring what's under the hood. You know, so their capability, their horsepower. So they bring not only their background and experience, but their future ambitions. And all of those things are impacted by the environment that they're going to be in. So we've got to be looking at fit. And the science is one way to do that. And we've got to get away from anybody can do any job. If I like them enough and they're willing to try hard enough, they can excel. And while some of that is true, some of the time, it definitely is not true all the time. And so we want to use the Trimetrics Talent Tool to make sure that we're putting the right people in the right seats and it's all about fit and matching. 
So I want to quickly touch on other assessments. Many of you are aware of other assessments and things like Myers-Briggs, Caliper, Predictive Index, FIRO-B, HBDI. Those are all great tools. I have used them over time and in different situations. And so kudos to those tools. But I want to just mention that, and there's a graph that you'll be able to see about what makes Trimetrics unique, is as opposed to some of the tools that I just mentioned, Trimetrics is measuring three sciences. And what our data shows is if you use one assessment or one science example disc, how they drive, and you compare that to what the job needs, you're going to have a 60% accurate prediction in successful hiring. So it's better. The job needs this type of communication style. I've used one tool with one science, and I'm going to predict accurately that they're a fit 60% of the time. If I use two assessments, I'm going to predict accurately 80% of the time. So two assessments, but maybe I use the DISC communication style and the workplace motivators, and I figure out what the job needs, and then I make sure they match. 80% of the time, I'm going to be accurate. And then according to our research, three assessments or sciences, you're 93% predicting accurately who's going to be successful in the position. So You have these three sciences, you know what the job needs for success, 93% of the time you're going to make some good predictions on how successful they're going to be. In addition to that, the Department of Labor recommends that if you're going to use assessments, you should use at least three views or three sciences. And that's what, with the car analogy, how they drive, what puts gas in their tank, and what's under the hood gives you three different views of a person. And you put all those together and you get a picture and then you compare them to the job. Then you're getting that competitive advantage that Peter Drucker talked about in the interview. I also want to mention how you should use the assessment results. I say this in every email when I'm sending over assessment results with a a report. Every conversation, as often as I can, that assessment results should be used less than 30% of decision making. So it's not the candidate takes this assessment and then I make the decision, you should use it less than 30%. It's a key 30% that you might probably did not have before, but the rest of it will be your intuition, your knowledge about your business, references, background, what you know about the team and the culture, how they showed up on the interview. Just keep that in mind as we're thinking about assessments and they're wonderful, powerful tools, but they're not replacing the human element in your judgment in your decision making. Other thing I want to mention, and we'll come back to this, but I want to talk a little bit about assigning a level of fit and risk. I'm talking about fit and how much it matters. And I talked about risk, that there's always a risk when we're hiring someone. So what I do, and it's subjective, I want to pass it along to you so that you can be using this, is I think about on a scale of one to five, when I'm looking just at the assessment, and I'm thinking about how well do they fit? So if they match every area in the assessment that is required for success in the job, then the level of risk when you're thinking about just the assessment is minimal. And so on my scale of one to five, I might give them a five, or maybe they just missed a couple of small areas. So maybe they get a 4.5 on a scale of one to five in regard to level of risk. So a five is, wow, there's less risk with this candidate. So it's just a framework or a mind map that you can use to guide your thinking around hiring. It's not something you have to do, or it's just something that I do. And I do find that candidates or clients who ask me to 
debrief or provide for them a debrief on their candidate's results often want that score. And I'm always reminding them, okay, this is less than 30%, but they want to know how this person ranked on the assessment. So I think it's a good tool. And you'll see this in the PowerPoint that you can go to at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash debrief to see how I rank them. But it's a scale of one to five. Five is excellent fit. So that means there's minimal risk based on the fact that they're a really great fit. Four is a good fit. So there's less risk. Three is satisfactory fit. So there's some risk. Two is fair fit. So there were a lot of areas that did not match. So they're a high risk. And one is poor fit, higher risk. So just throwing that out to you, I'll come back to it as part of our three steps on how to debrief a talent report. You can come back and I'll talk a little bit more about that. So now let's go into debriefing the Trimetrics Assessment and use this acronym BCR. Those are our three steps. And here are the three steps. Step one is B, benchmark. Step two is compare to the benchmark. And step three is level of risk and decide upon follow-up. So step one, B, benchmark. Step two, C, compare to the benchmark. And that's the candidate's results. Step three, R, determine the level of risk and decide on how you're going to follow up. Benchmark. Let's go into step one. Assessments help us understand the person and a benchmark helps us understand what the job needs. So just like you test a car to test a candidate, you know, you test a car to see how it's running. You know, they have a little machinery that they hook a car up to 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 read it. Or I just had my eyes, had a little thing going on my eyes. They did a bunch of tests on my eyes. Well, this is our version of that for the candidate. So you've got the candidate sitting there and you've got their results, but you need to compare or test their results against a benchmark for the job. And we have an online tool that we use for that. It's an official benchmark so that we automate that process and I facilitate you through that. It's a patented process. It compiles results and it gives a more official benchmark for a position. And so I can walk you through that if you have any interest in that. If you don't have interest in that, but you do want to use the power of the benchmark, that's what I talked about in my book, How to Hire Superior Performers. I actually break it down into how do you actually do this process without having to actually buy a benchmark from me? Because I just think the process is so powerful because it gives you an opportunity to get very clear about what the job needs. And so that you're always comparing the candidate to what the job needs, not getting caught up in how cool the candidate is which is good to really like your candidates. That's a part of it. You need to like your colleagues and the people you're going to work with many, many hours a day. But when in interviewing, it can be a real problem when they're very likable and you get caught up in how likable they are and get a little less focused on, do they actually fit the role? And so that's what I like about the benchmark. And that's why in my book, How to Hire Superior Performers, which I'll have a link to, pricelessprofessional.com slash hire book, H-I-R-E book all one word, lowercase. That's why in that book, I just dismantled the process or or revealed the process that we use so that you could do it on your own. And so I'm going to show you how to do that here. But the reason the benchmark official one that we do is so powerful is because the results and how it's created is one patented and it can take a group of subject matter experts on a roll you know, in a position and compile the results. So you really get the best of your minds together thinking about what does it require for success in the job? And we compare that 
with our data pool of millions of individuals that have been collected over three decades. So the power of the benchmark, regardless of whether you do an quote unquote official one through me or you do it on your own, I have many clients who do that. I invite you to do that. In fact, I even show you how to do it in my book, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash hire book. Here's the benchmark process. So that's our first step. We want to create a benchmark. So you're either going to create one with me and we'll have a benchmark and your candidates will get compared to the benchmark or you're going to do your own ad hoc version. And the way you do that is you go to the three sciences, the under the hood part, which is our personal skills. And you start there and you look at all the personal skills. And this tool is based on the science of axiology and it measures how people think and process. And it tells you a little bit about their horsepower and stuff you can't see. As I mentioned, every job requires the mastery of seven. And then in the assessment tool, we measure 23 to 25 personal skills. All the personal skills are like good skills. When you read them, you'll go, okay, yeah, I really like those. They're things like customer focus, interpersonal skills, diplomacy, all of those things you'll be seeing in your personal skills list. It's usually on the talent report on pages two through four. So if you're looking at a talent report, you'll see the list of personal skills there. They're all good things that you want from people. Empathy, personal accountability, self-management, You want all of those things, but what you want to figure out is what does the job require mastery of? And it's usually seven require mastery. So you figure those out. And what we do is in the benchmark patented process, we help that come to light. What are the top seven? But you would pick your top seven personal skills and then you would be clear on those for the job. Does the job require these for mastery, for personal skills? And then you would do the same thing for motivators. Motivators, same thing. There's six motivators. What's the job most going to reward? And those are going to be on your talent report on page seven. So you're going to look at the different descriptors of the motivators, and you're going to determine what the job is going to most reward. Is it going to reward knowledge? Is it going to reward return on investment? Is it going to reward leadership? Is it going to reward being altruistic? all the lists there, and you're going to pick the top three. And then the third science is the DISC, which is how they drive. And you'll see in the assessment on page eight on the talent report, you'll see a list of behaviors and you're going to look through those and say, okay, what are the top three that the job needs for communication style five days a week? So what is this person going to most spend their time doing? communication wise. So you're picking personal skills, top seven. You're picking the motivators, top three, and what's the number one and two, you know, what the job's going to reward. And you're picking the style and you're using the verbiage in the talent report to do that, or you're doing the official benchmark. And what I'll show you in the PowerPoint in the show notes, you'll be able to see what a gap report looks like, where it shows the benchmark, and then it shows where the candidate matches. So we are talking about step one of the process of how to read a talent report is you're going to look at those three areas, personal skills, workplace motivators, and style. And that's what's under the hood, what puts gas in the tank, and how someone drives. You're going to benchmark first. So you definitely need to know that. And then you're going to go to step two, which is compare the candidate to the benchmark. So step one, we're going to create the benchmark. And the benchmark is what's most important for success in the role. Then the next thing you're going to do is compare the candidate to the benchmark. So you're either going to do that mentally 
Oftentimes, I will be on the phone with someone whose hiring managers completed an assessment. They did not have time to do a benchmark. So we talk through this process. Okay, tell me the top seven motivators. You know, we just talk it through or I share some examples that I have. And then we talk through where they matched and where they didn't match. In my sample PowerPoint that I have for you at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash debrief. I've got pictures of a gap report, which is something if you do have an official benchmark that we're able to pull together and it gives you this image and it shows, you know, basically did they closely match or didn't match? And you can look at it at a glance and figure out, you know, if they scored yellow, yellow means they're fair compatibility, red means poor compatibility or match. And so we make it easy for you that way if you actually have a benchmark. But the key is you got to have some type of measurement that you're thinking about for the job. Then you go look at the candidate scores and see how closely they match. The other thing we can do if we have a benchmark is we can compare up to five candidates to each other and the benchmark. So if your number one personal skill was customer focus, And that's what you figured out as you ranked your top seven personal skills as to, okay, they have to have this or they're going to fail in the job. They've got to have strong customer focus skills. Well, then we can show you how the candidate scored. And then we can also show you how the candidate scored against each other in the area of customer focus. The other thing that an official benchmark gives you, it gives you those easy gap reports, but it also gives you interview questions for each of the areas that you selected for personal skills, motivators. So you can start interviewing based upon the template, the benchmark for the job. So that gives you a little bit about a benchmark. So step one, B, benchmark. And it gives you a little bit about step two on how to debrief a talent report. You're going to compare the candidate to the benchmark. Step three is now about determining the level of risk and deciding how you're going to follow up. We're back to our scale of one to five that I talked about, my level of fit and risk scores, and the three questions that I think about when I'm assessing this for someone that you can use. And again, it's in the PowerPoint at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash debrief. The three questions when you're thinking about, okay, I've created mentally my benchmark, or maybe I actually have a benchmark, one that we've helped you create. I have looked at the candidate's results and I see where they match and don't match. Here's how I'm going to determine level of fit and risk. You know, how many trimetrics areas did not match the benchmark? So you're going to think about that if there are two areas, three areas, and particularly if there's areas under the hood and the motivators, things you can't see, those sometimes carry more weight. The next question you're going to ask yourself is, okay, let me think about their background and their future goals. So roads traveled and, you know, trips they want to take in the car analogy. How closely did they match the job? I'm going to think about that as I'm thinking about risk. And then I'm going to think about the last, where's the car going to be parked? So how will this person fit in our culture and how are they going to fit on the team? Do I have concerns there? And it's so cool to be able to add some science and objectivity to the hiring process. So if you're always comparing to a benchmark and then you're always assessing risk, it helps you take someone, say they don't have much background in the job, but they hit the trimetrics assessment part out of the park. They match perfectly, you know, in the assessment parts and they did great in the interview and they fit our culture. The team really worked with them. 
hmm, they're less of a risk than I initially thought. I'm not overemphasizing the background. So maybe they're just a four on a scale of one to five. They're a good fit. There's less risk. There's some things missing because of the background and vice versa. So maybe they have a stellar background. I mean, they've worked and I see this a lot. This is usually when I end up getting called in to see if we can help somebody perform a little better. But they have this awesome background that speaks so much to, you know, their experience. And so they get hired, but then we do a trimetrics after the fact. So a talent report and a coaching report. And there's so many things that do not match the job. Their style doesn't match the job. Their motivators don't match the job. They're not a fit in the culture. So they turns out, you know, after the fact, you now know, okay, they were a fair fit, a two on the scale of one to five, even though their background was stellar. So it really helps you balance out your decision making. It can help your team make a better decision. I'm a fan, even though it's subjective, there is a lot of thought or mind mapping to it. How many areas did or did not match on the assessment compared to the benchmark? How about their background and future goals? And how do they fit in our culture and measuring them on a scale of one to five? The next step is, actually, we are in step three. So step one is benchmark. Step two is compare the candidates. Step three is determine the level of risk, which I just talked about, and then figure out how you're going to follow up. And what I often will do is, if you don't have a benchmark, I'll send you some interview questions that match the areas that they didn't match on the trimetrics assessment. So for example, if when I talked about customer focus under the under the hood part, personal skills, stuff you can't see, but that's crucial for success in the job, you need mastery and say customer focus. Well, they score just a little below the mean So they fair, they're not like a good or great match to that. Well, we give you interview questions specific, you know, behavioral based interview questions that you can help you at least go back and talk to the candidate. That's one of the areas you can follow up. You could also talk to references. And so this third step is about determining a level of risk and then figuring out how you're going to follow up. And one way we help you do that is give you some interview questions that match every area of trimetrics. And when you do an official benchmark, you get that entire list of interview questions. That's how to debrief in three steps. Benchmark what the job needs. What does the job need? You can do that officially or unofficially. Step two, compare the candidate. And step three, determine the level of risk and decide how you're going to follow up. I want you to have the competitive advantage, you know, so the ability to make good decisions regarding people represents one of the last reliable sources of competitive advantage since very few organizations are very good at it. Take your organization up a level, get this competitive advantage, get better at hiring, add a little science to what you do, and you'll be off and running in regard to building this high-performing, energetic, committed, drama-free workforce. So. Thank you. I hope this is helpful and I hope you'll reach out to me if I can be of help in any way. The show notes again, you'll see some PowerPoint slides. You'll see references to related podcasts around hiring and around trimetrics. If you go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash debrief, you can also reach out to me, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash contact. There's all my contact information there. I've enjoyed talking to you today. It's a Saturday. It's very cold here in Atlanta. And I have been standing on my stand-up desk the whole time we've been talking. And I'm actually standing on this little surfboard thing. It's not a surfboard, but it looks like a mini one. You know, it's three or four feet long. And it helps you kind of go back and forth. And I'm standing on a little mat from the Bulletproof Executive, which is a guy I follow for health information, Bulletproof Executive. And it's a little, little mat that has like little pressure points for your feet. Anyway, 
So hopefully I sounded really energetic because I feel really great. <laughs> and I think standing up is a cool way to work. So if you haven't tried the Vera desk or a stand-up desk, I encourage it. I don't stand up all day, but I do for meetings often and recording the podcast, just clarity, focus, energy. It's all good. I look forward to our next conversation. If I can help you in any way, please give me a shout. Don't forget about our book that lines all this out. It's pricelessprofessional.com forward slash hire book, H-I-R-E book. And I also, with that, you can get optional email tips. So you can get tips. You can get a tip a day via email. So you actually get the whole book. You know, every day you get a tip which outlines the book. So if you don't have time to read, those tips could be helpful. And many blessings to you. Thank you for being in this world with me. We're seeing you have a wake-up eager workforce every day and wake-up eager days and being a wake-up eager leader, which is bringing the best of who you are to what you do so that you can help others bring the best of who they are to what they do. All the best. Look forward to our next time connecting. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 